welcome to an all-new season of Tap In to College Golf. I'm your host, Brandi Jackson, and I'm based here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm excited to kick off this all-new season, which is season four, to bring you more coach interviews, player interviews, just all the insight, stories, and information about college women's golf, junior girls golf, and the college recruiting process. So as we kick this season off, we've got the first episode of this season, who is with the Western Kentucky head coach, Adam Gary. All right, welcome to an all-new season and a brand new episode of Tap Into College Golf. Uh, took a little hiatus for the past year. I feel like there was just a lot going on and uh, just didn't didn't want to bug the coaches any more than I was already having to just with a lot of clients and a lot of questions and uncertainty. Um, so just kind of took a little break from it, but excited to kick things off and actually do things in a little more kind of real time in the sense of these coaches and, and players are in season right now. Um, this is right at the very beginning of fall season as we're recording this first episode. Um, so just going to talk a little bit more really just kind of what's going on right now in college golf. Um, got a great first guest for this very first, I think we're on the third season now of the, the podcast. Um, got Coach Adam Gary, who is up at Western Kentucky and just kicked off his eighth year there um, with the program and has just done an outstanding job of um, just, you know, just the growth of that program and what the girls there have done. It, it's just been really cool to follow. I think I met Coach Gary years ago back at, I've been Pinehurst when he used to come out and watch. I think I can't, I think that was maybe the initial time we first met and just got to know him over the years and just really um, just have a lot of respect for his just ener energy and enthusiasm for college golf and the girls golf side of things. And I'm so excited to have you on here, Coach Gary, and just want to um, say thanks for joining and just looking forward to chatting with you and, and learn a little more about kind of what led you into coaching and your experience as a coach and, and just some of the advice for everybody out there. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think this is a, a great opportunity, and obviously we're we're coming to Furman's tournament this week, so got the connection with Furman for you, I, I'm sure. Uh, it's okay if you don't root for us this weekend. I, I understand that you're a little homer, but we could have been at the at Furman at the same time. I actually took a visit. I was friends with Matt Davidson, so we were we were pretty close in age, I believe, and we would have probably overlapped and been there. So I did. actually was looking at that um, when I was just trying to go back in and, and see, you know, I know a little bit just in terms of, you know, like I said, I, knowing you over the years now and realize that, yeah, we were, because um, I was 2003, so I think you, were, you ended up going to Florida Gulf Coast, right? And you were finishing yep. 2003? Yep, I went to East Tennessee yeah. State my freshman year and then transferred down to, to Florida Gulf Coast, so it's um yeah it's been a wild ride it's been an interesting uh, journey you know I was an AJGA All-American so I was fortunate enough to be able to take a lot of visits so I got to see a lot of SEC schools Big Ten schools ACC schools so um, ended up at East Tennessee State but um, ended up not being for me so I ended up going down to be with my swing coach and they started the program so I was on the very first athletic team that they ever had at, at Florida Gulf Coast so it was, uh, it was nice to go from the mountain to the beach, um, got to work on my game and learn how to play on Bermuda grass and do some different things. Cause my ultimate goal was I wanted to play professionally. Um, so that's, that's where I was. I majored in business management, not really knowing what I wanted to do, but I, I wanted to have something to fall back on. And it's interesting how that's helping me now with a lot of the things that I'm, that I'm doing in my day-to-day -day coaching activities. But, uh, but yeah, I graduated in 2003 played the mini tours for eight years, went to Q school eight times. Um, my first son was born in 2010. So that changed things a little bit, it was a little harder to be on the road, but 
I wouldn't trade the experience. You know, I got close, but never, never got status and never got out on the PGA tour, but was fortunate enough to play with five major champions and, and multiple winners on tour. So I got to see the difference of, of who made it out there. And, um, you know, I just love golf. And I think that's why I'm still, I'm still in it today. So once I kind of stopped traveling the tours, I was getting into the PGA. I joined the PGA um, and I was the director of instruction at Kenny Perry's course here in Kentucky. So I'm actually from Bowling Green. So I, I was in the area um, already. So the thing that's, that's weird about it, you just never know how God's going to open up different doors for you. And I was I was teaching down there and in the last level, level three, your PGA, you have to apply for a job you don't currently have. And it was, it was like, well, I really enjoy player development and instruction. Um, so I was like, well, if I wasn't doing that, I think coaching would be something I'd be interested in because it's, it's along the same lines. It's very similar. So I, I kind of mocked up and, and put a, re a resume together and submitted it to the PGA. Didn't really think anything of it. Got my class A that summer. And then, you know, about a month or so later, the job opened up here, here in Western Kentucky in Bowling Green, where I was already living. So there again, I had no coaching experience, no idea what I was doing, um, but I applied for the job. I had some friends that, that applied that I thought were more qualified than I, than I was. And I, I really didn't think I was going to get it. But, but there again, a couple of weeks later, I ended up getting the job. And so I had to kind of figure out what I was doing. And that's where like people like you are a great resource for, for the kids and even for coaches. I remember going over to Pine Needles and trying to meet you and then talk to you and trying to figure out because obviously I'd played on the men's side but I didn't really know a lot about the the women's golf side uh, the tournaments the junior tournaments to go to and the Peggy Kirk Bell wasn't really around when I was when I was coming up so um, I'd been in the area my, my grandparents lived over there so I'd always played the north south and done some of those events so I knew the area well and so it was good to um, just just dive in and try to figure it out. I went and had lunch with lots of coaches that have been coaching a long time. And even your former coach talked to Mick Potter. I talked to Velvet Milkman. I mean, I was, I was uh, just, just trying to gather as much information as possible and trying to figure it out. So, so here we are eight years later, it's, it's worked out. Okay. And it's been, uh, it's been one of those things. You just never know when the door is going to open and an opportunity is going to come your way. So as long as you're trying to improve yourself daily and trying to, to get better, then you'll be ready for those opportunities. And that's, uh, that's kind of what's taken me here. Yeah, I love that. I mean, we, as you're saying that, like I said, I'm sure we probably talked about it, you know, early on into, um, like I said, meeting at Pine Needles, but I mean, yeah, we're almost the exact same timeline of things. I did it for about eight years, did get a little bit of status in there to, to play some LPGA tour, but didn't, I didn't go the, the married get kids route about that same time, but about 2010, 2011 was when I finished up and, and yeah, you know, you do the same thing, wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, you know, it's just like you said, it, I think it does tie you a little bit into a different perspective for wanting to teach and coach. It just gives you that, that playing background a little different that you want to make sure you can instill that experience into the kids versus just kind of coming straight out as a you know, pure instructor, I feel like too. Um, that you can see a lot of uh, former players wanting to go that route and instill, you know, what you learned as a player versus just what you learn as how to teach and how to instruct. I think I see that quite a bit. Uh, I said among the coaches and um, that's been the cool thing about doing this podcast. I never imagined that other coaches might want to actually listen to it, but just like you said, I mean, that's how you do learn, you know, just hearing from other coaches and, and learning about what they've gone through. It's kind of what I, like to do with these girls through the process is, you know, when you realize that other people have the same struggles you have, or, you know, the advice that they can give, it just, you know, sometimes you don't get a chance to talk about that openly sometimes. So when you do, and you get to hear other people, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, just great 
insight to it when you're following that same path that, that they've been on. So let's talk since you, you know, you, like you said, you've been there um, starting the eighth year. I know y'all have been able to, uh, I think, crack the top hundred for the last few years. Um, had a good finish at Conference USA tournament this past year, I think it was. Um, you know, just talk some about kind of the highlights of the program, some of the things that the girls have done, um, you know, just kind of a chance to brag a little bit about the program and, and what the girls have done and, and, you know, maybe just some of the, the reasons for that success uh, since you've been there. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk about it a little bit. So it's it's been it's been crazy. I don't, I can't believe it's been eight years already. I almost still feel like a rookie coach um, in some ways. But but you know the program was in was in rough shape when I was hired. We were ranked 181st. We only had five players on the team. Our team stroke average was 306. Um, so it, you know it was. Uh, it was not in a good spot. I like to tell tell a story that one of my sophomores on the team, we were playing qualifying on the back nine, and she asked me which way a hole went on hole number 12 on the only golf course they were allowed to play at the time. Uh-oh. And I was like, well, you're a sophomore. What, what do you mean you don't know which way this hole goes? Like, well, we always just played nine. We would just oh, no. find play the front nine. It's like, oh, we're, you're going to get okay. pretty well this this year. We're going to we're going to get to see it quite a bit. So that was just kind of the culture that we had to change yeah. up just a little bit of, you know, taking it a little bit more seriously and having some goals and, and wanting to accomplish some things. And, and that's been a steady thing, you know, sometimes improvement. It's the same with your golf swing and your golf game and scores. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, it doesn't happen as fast as you want it to happen sometimes, but we just gradually got a little bit better and our stroke average has gone down each of the last seven years. So we've, we've improved every year. Um, so last year was, our highest finish in conference, was, which was second in Conference USA is the conference that we're in. Um, we had our lowest stroke average in history, uh, 295. And then we had four of our top 10 best stroke averages as an individual in school history. And our program has been around since the 70s. I mean, it was one of the original women's golf uh, teams. So, I mean, way back when, there, there really weren't as many schools offering, you know, pre-Title IX offering women's golf. So, we actually have a pretty long history of golf. It, it just maybe wasn't at a high level like like the you know we would have liked, but um, but it's been around for a while, which which has been good. So um, you know I was super proud of not only the high finishes that that we've had, um, but obviously we're getting it done in the classroom too. We had the highest team GPA here on campus with the 3.8. I had uh, three girls win, uh, you know the WGCA uh, All American. So we've we've really done uh, done the work in the classroom and on the golf course. So it's been, it's been a fun ride. Uh, I think the team this year has got, got their work cut out for them. We did graduate three of our top five. So they've got some pretty big um, shoes to fill, but I think that they're going to be up for it and um, they're putting the time and putting the work in. So it's, uh, it, it's just like you hit the refresh button every year, you know, that's what makes it exciting. It's like, okay, let's, let's kind of figure this dynamic out and see what we need to do to improve. And, like I said, it doesn't happen overnight sometimes, but if you keep working on the right things, then you'll, you'll get better. Well, that, that's kind of one of the questions I know. I'm kind of skipping a little bit on the order of what I sent them in. But it's like you said, you kind of have to hit refresh every year. And obviously, I'm always trying to kind of help the girls prep a little bit for college golf and get them to understand that transition. You know, they played on their high school team. But typically, when they're on their high school team, they were probably the best player on the team and, you know, didn't really, you know, they rarely do you have a girls high school team and um, that's got, you know, a team of everybody being kind of equal competitors. 
Um, so you go into this college team where, you know, your more serious golf has been played on a true individual level. And like I said, you're typically the best player. How do you kind of create that team atmosphere? And I know other every coach has different ways. You know, some are very big on team bonding. Others are like, you know what? You do your own thing as long as we put the scores up. You know, so again, it's, it's very different with that. But how do you kind of bring a group of such individuals from such an individual sport to make it a team and and create a, you know, an environment that's always going to have its ups and downs. You're, you, know, you got that many girls. There's going to be some drama. There's going to be some stuff. But yet create that team. What are some of the things that you do? Um, you know, again, we're fresh into the, you know, fall semester. So some of that I'm, I'm sure is going on right now. Right. And I think that's been difficult over the last couple of years. COVID's obviously changed the, that a little bit. We haven't been able to do as much team bonding as I have in the past, yeah. um, especially last year. We really weren't able to do much. Um, but we were really fortunate just to even get to play. I think we set the record for the most rounds last year. Like even the SEC and a lot of other conferences only played three tournaments in the fall, but we played a full schedule. We played five in the fall and five in the spring. Um, so we were extremely fortunate, obviously, to have the backing from our athletic department because it's easy to say no for a non-revenue sport. But um, but they allowed us to kind of go and do, but that kind of took some sacrifice. I mean, it was it was a tough year to be a freshman mm -hmm. in college. You know, your your classes are online. You're in your dorm room a lot. You're away from home. You're you're kind of getting a little homesick. Um, so that that's been that's been difficult. That's been tricky. But um, but we've been able to do a little bit more. No, to answer your question, as far as team building, um, you know, we just do things not as much off the course as maybe some other programs and coaches do. Uh, mine is, is more of competitions within the team, whether it's a, a short game match play day, or sometimes we'll do a worst ball scramble. Sometimes we'll play with four clubs. I mean, we are always doing something different and I have some in different incentive programs. I have like a sticker program for our tournaments with different incentives and we do poker chips and practice. So something's always on the line. And then at the end of the semester, there's a little prize or something for the person that wins it. So it kind of gets you, you know, present every day and, and every day is, a, is something on the line. And I think that's, that's what really kind of speeds up the, the learning process and kind of back to what, what we were talking about originally, the, the people that I, I saw make it out there and the difference was they, they love to compete and they were, they were pretty confident. They were always playing for something and wanting something, you know, on the side and, and things like that. So I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit more of that with the team to where it's not just zoning out and doing your putting with a mirror for an hour, you know, the same thing where that maybe doesn't correlate over to the, to the course and scores maybe as much, but, um, but yeah, we do a lot of, a lot of things like that. And the team, honestly, they hang out on their own quite a bit. I mean, they go to each other's apartment and cook and they take turns on who's doing it. Sometimes they'll even play for that. Like the loser has to do the dishes and things like that. So, I mean, those are the kind of things that I remember from my experience in college. Those are the best times when you're, you're kind of hanging out. And those are the stories that you take with you. And I'm sure you still keep up with a lot of your teammates and things too. So it's, um, it's just a fun time in life. And I think that's the, that's the best part of it. And that's what I like to be, to be around is just to give them the opportunity to experience that and, and to, to have those stories. So a lot of the team building I think is best when they do it, honestly. And it's not like I'm forcing them to do it. Um, so it's, yeah, you know, that's, that's a different thing. A lot of coaches do that, do that very differently, but that's, that's kind of how we've handled it here. And it seems to have worked pretty well so far. 
Well, and I think maybe that talks a little bit about kind of your recruiting style, maybe, and being able to get girls that, and, and I think this is one of the things that I, I definitely think the players and parents going through the process don't always understand as to why coaches may pick one person over the other when on paper, one person looks better or just doesn't make sense. You know, we talk about this gut feeling with coaches. I was talking to um, your buddy, Coach Baker, last week um, over at JMU, and we were talking about talking about you know just different things in the sense of like you just see one player fitting in a little bit better and while maybe you know scores aren't as much or as low as another player you just know that team and and not even that they're going to be just like the other girls on the team but you're joking about how you can only have so many you know golf nerds on a team that you've got to have the balance of like different things and and just always looking at that Um, and I I think that's what helps coaches have such success is being able to kind of know their recruiting styles or their coaching styles when they're going through recruiting with players and being able to pick up on that and, and kind of knowing, you know, going with your gut, but knowing the balance of what the team needs to look like and everything. So, you know, how do, um, you know, are there certain ones, you know, when you go through the process that you can kind of tell, and then how do you kind of adapt and adjust to the different personalities and, and playing styles, but yet need them to kind of conform to what, cause you are the coach and, and, you know, you, and a lot of times know what's, in a lot of ways better for them in the long run, but how do you kind of identify that, you know, as you're watching players, you know, as junior golfers or the things that you notice where they're specific to you. And and then, you know, once they get there, how do you kind of adapt and adjust to, uh, to all the different personalities and, and making them sort of be on the same page yet be so individual with that? Right. No, that's a great question. And that is something that is really different and varies from school to school a lot. I don't know that I really have a, a type that I try to, to recruit. Um, but I think I'm just, I'm pretty laid back as a coach and I'm pretty flexible with that. I've got some players that want a lot of information that want a lot of help. And I've got some that, I mean, don't want any help, like don't even use a yardage book. Like, so, I mean, it's, it's very different. And at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, it's a team sport, but it is kind of an individual sport as, as well. Like I, I don't want it to be that you've done it one way your whole life and all of a sudden you have to do it now this way and you have to use green books and you've never used them before and you have to use Aimpoint and it's like, well, I've never putted that way before. It almost like throws a shock to the system to where you're not as confident, you're not as comfortable. And I think that's probably where my coaching style is. I guess if I had to recruit a type of player or person, it is just a confident person. I just want someone that's that's got self-belief that, hey, even if I don't have the perfect swing, I'm going to figure it out. And and to me, those are the guys that you had to watch out for. Like on the mini tours, it was the ones with the bad swings that you had to watch out for because they owned it. I remember Tommy Ganey just about drove me crazy because, you know, he has the, the baseball grip with two gloves and he would win five times every year. So it was just, you know, and I got my camera out trying to make this perfect swing and he was just beating me every week. So I think there's a lot to be said for just getting it in the hole. And I I think maybe my playing background maybe changes that a little bit. It's not like I have to have a, I don't look at swing videos and think that, oh man, she's not on plane. I'm not going to recruit her. I just know there's a lot of ways to get it done. And that's, that's kind of the genius of it. I mean, even Jim Furyk, I think the best part about that story is his dad is a PGA pro and he was the head pro at the golf course and he didn't change his son's swing. Yeah. And, you know, he's made $70 million. So I, I don't know, like, is that right or wrong? It's just, it's just their way of doing it. So I think sometimes it's, I, I try to, to be careful with the advice and not change something just because I don't like it. Um, I try to just really um, maybe get them thinking 
uh, to where they can kind of figure it out on their own. So it's, it, it's so different as far as the style and as, as far as recruiting. And I know a lot of people listening to this and people going through the process of recruiting is, is tough, but it's, it's also too, like, you just got to understand sometimes it's numbers. Sometimes it's, it's how many spots you're bringing in that year. Sometimes it's, whether you've seen that player or not. I mean, I don't have a huge recruiting budget. I, I don't fly out to junior worlds in California. And so I, I kind of tend to recruit more locally just in the Southeast. Um, so it's, it's very different, but I, I think it's just, you gotta have an open mind to, to different schools and not really limit yourself to just like one or two choices. I, I think if you keep an open mind, that's, that's probably the best, the best way to go about it because every coach looks for something a little bit differently. And I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that I can mix scholarship money with academic money. So sometimes the test scores and things are really important to me because that saves some money that I could give to someone else and try to help, you know, everyone out that's on the team a little bit um, to kind of spread, spread the financial aid around. So um, you just have to get in front of schools. And that's, that's why I'm probably the most disappointed with the rule change about unofficial visits. I really wish that they would bring that back because a, if you're already traveling with a tournament and you're in the area, yeah. being able to stop by and talk to coaches, I, I think that's that's the toughest thing right now. The parents and the the players that I I speak with seem less prepared now yeah. in, in general, just because they haven't had any visits as a freshman or a sophomore, um, and then by your junior year, it, it gets to where you don't have a lot of time almost. Yeah. It it. it Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But, um, but no, I just, I just think you can't take things personally. Um, just like I don't take it personally when players are like, this is not the school for me. That's not what I'm looking for. So everybody's got, got different things and different criterias. But um, I, I think just um, keep doing what, what you want and, and the opportunities will, will open up for you. Yeah, you mentioned that about, you know, the unofficials. And, and yeah, no, we don't. Uh, we talked about this before we started recording as not getting too much into the recruiting process and things, but I, I got to, you know, just say that as well, that I did love that part about the process before. And, you know, I've been doing this for about 12 years. And so it was almost 10 years with players with them being able to go do that. No, I did not like to see the early commitments. I hated that part of it, but I loved right. when players as freshmen and sophomore could go sit down with a few coaches and maybe make some of those mistakes on visits and learn that hey, I got to get better with this or just start to kind of figure out what it is that they wanted and the expectations so they could maybe adjust what they were doing. I said just the, the budget timeline side of it to be able to go see more places. I'm going through this with all of these, these players right now, trying to take these visits this fall on top of obviously you've got COVID the, the teams are in season, so there's only so many weekends they're here. And, you know, one coach is maybe ready to pursue an offer and another one saying, well, hey, I'm waiting until after the season. And, and it's, it's definitely a, a makes it much tougher. I mean, I love the pushback of verbal commitments. I do like that. But just, the, you know, kind of cramming it in and not being able to get that. Because, again, the sooner you can get a chance to talk to some coaches one-on-one and learn what it's like. And, and actually, that was sort of what made me kind of want to start this was I was like, okay, these players – don't have a chance to talk to the coaches anymore and I'm here talking to them. So why don't I just kind of record some of these conversations I'm having and let everybody else kind of hear a little bit about the coaches and what they're doing is just a little bit of a way to, to shed some light on it because again, you're not getting that and it's kind of crammed in and, and it does come down to a little bit more of just timing and who gets there first maybe, or, you know, who can go fly and go to these visits before somebody else might be able to, and you hate, you hate that, but 
it is kind of the process we're living in now. But um, as you mentioned that, it's, it's a lot of what I've been kind of dealing with with players all right now here in the fall semester of, of their junior year. Um, so we kind of started talking and, and you brought up, you know, you all are coming down here to play for a men's tournament this weekend. I actually will hopefully be out there at some point and come out and watch. Um, obviously, yes, got to pull for my lady paladins. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing everybody and seeing a lot of the coaches. Um, you know, talk as you're kind of leading up to that. What are some things that, you know, as a team, is there anything you do different? Um, knowing what kind of, um, especially if, you, you know, obviously it's different if you're going to a course that um, you've all seen before and know or you as a player know versus going into something totally blind. But what are some things you might do different kind of tournament week? Um, both on and off the golf course. I mean, obviously the girls have to prepare, you know, school-wise and class-wise for being gone, but what are some things, you know, tournament week leading up to it that you do that may be different from a non-tournament week um, just to kind of prep for that that time? Yeah, so as a coach, I, I try not to throw in too many new tournaments because it's hard to prepare every week for a new course. So, like we've been to three of the four tournaments we're playing. So Furman is actually one we have not played in before. So this is the first time that, that we've played this event. I do have two girls on the team that have played the course before um, from, from the AJGA and just from junior golf that comes through. So um, I have a girl on the team from South Carolina and I have a girl on the team from Georgia. So they, they've played the course before. So they're, they're going to be the, the coaches this week. They're going to be helping me yeah. out. But, um, but as far as what we do to prep, I mean, I have green books for them. Obviously, we, we do some yardage book and some, some prep before the practice round. Um, you know, some events will mark the, they'll mark the whole locations in advance during the practice round. So some of the girls are charting, charting those locations. I've got some girls on the team that do decade that kind of you're starting to pick targets and enter some different things into your, to your yardage book. I have some girls that do aim points. So they're getting some slope numbers on the greens. Um, there again, I don't, I don't really care whether you use it or not, but it's, it's, um, it's there for them. Um, I don't know. I, I really leave it up to the individual. So like something that I always do, we leave tomorrow, actually tomorrow's our travel day. So I'm doing an open practice today where it's not really a day off, but you can go play if you want to, you can hit balls if you want to, you can do short game, you can do a little bit of all of it and then get some homework done just to where you don't have to worry about it while you're on the road. Um, there again, back to my coaching philosophy, it's all about confidence. And if, if you feel like you're prepared and ready to go for the tournament, I feel like you're gonna perform and do better um, versus me doing a mandatory short game practice for three hours. And they're like, hey coach, my stats are really good and up and downs and short game. I really need to go play some holes or hit some golf balls. So it's it's something I, I don't know. I just trust them. I just, I trust that they'll work on it. And that's the kind of the, the kids that I recruit are the ones that know how to practice and know how to prepare. Um, until, until they prove me wrong, I'm not really going to change it. Like I, I feel like um, they're adults and they can have some freedom to do that. I, I really don't micromanage that in a sense. Um, and like I said, I, I just trust them until I can't anymore. But I, I think that that's been something that's, not guaranteed that we've played well, but I think if you're prepared, it definitely, it definitely helps. So as far as the classroom things go, I mean, all of, uh, all of our advisors and, and things are keeping in contact with the, with the faculty and staff. And so they all know ahead of time who's going to be traveling and they can get their work done. Um, you know, certain majors, like pretty much most of my girls are either business majors or communication majors. So it's, 
it's not things that that are difficult to do ahead of time or make up in advance. Some of the some of the nursing and the pre med and labs those are a little bit tougher to make up if you're if you're missing some of that. But uh, we're kind of fortunate right now that we don't really have. So it's been it's not been hard for us, and I'm sure that's different with with different schools. But uh, but no, as far as the travel and things go, we're we're also doing our workouts. Um, so I, I think it's it's really up to them is what they, they feel like they need. Obviously I'm around to help out if anybody needs anything. Um, but for the most part, yeah, they're just kind of preparing on their own right now. Yeah. That, again, that, that's what is so unique about, I mean, about sports in general and coaching in general is, you know, everybody gets to do things different and it's one thing, you know, when things good for one, I, I mentioned, you know, how you had met with my coach with Mick Potter and I did a podcast with him last year, and we talked about that. He, to this day, always talks about how I was kind of the first player that made him have to change his mentality with that kind of stuff because he was kind of that same way. Everybody kind of knew how to practice and knew what to do and were pretty structured and regimented when it came to golf. And I came in, and he couldn't just trust me to do things because I, I just didn't. And, you know, we, we laugh about it now. And, um, you know, he, he talks about how much it kind of had to make him learn how to do more regimented things and structured stuff. And he had just never had yeah. to before. And I'm like, see, I changed your whole career <laughs> just like that. Um, but he always gave on the flip know, side. I've had a player before that, that didn't really practice and she wouldn't do much on those days before, but, but she was my number one player. Yeah. So, yeah. so well, the Bruce Litsky effect, it's like, she doesn't really have to practice and she's confident and ready to go. So yeah. is that right yeah. or wrong? I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, then I think it's like you said, the confident side of things. And I think for me, and again, not, it's not about me by any means. It just, um, for me, I didn't have, and yeah, once I got a little bit farther into college and got a little more comfortable, a little more confident with stuff, I could get away with a little bit, but the biggest difference was I was that way, but then I didn't necessarily go into tournaments very confident in my mind. I was like, it just felt like I had not done enough, but I didn't know what to do or didn't have somebody I needed that accountability and uh so again it was you know a great experience that him and I went through of learning how to kind of adapt and adjust and and know that you know not everybody's going to be the same and and again stick into some things you know that tend to work but yet knowing that just like you said some players can I mean you know I I talk about how my lack of discipline and structure and practice everybody's like well you probably didn't you know not, not to beat myself up about it by not doing that because plenty of people can do the minimal minimal and get by, but you got to find a good balance that allows you to be confident. And some people can do that for sure on less than others. And the more you do, sometimes the less confident you get because you just start creating things or you are expecting you get just enough confidence that then the expectation goes up. And then that kind of does the whole kind of reverse, um, reverse mentality for it. But it is. It's just always, you know, interesting to hear how different because some coaches are definitely, you know, this is exactly how we do. We do this. Everybody does it. And then how others aren't. And it's again, you know, it works for some and it, it doesn't work for others, which is part of kind of finding the right fit for what you're looking for as you're going through the process and, and what what you work better with and that kind of thing. So um, a good insight just for that kind of tournament prep and, and leading into a tournament. Um, you touched a little bit on practice round. I know we're going to talk about that. So let's maybe talk about um, kind of not necessarily tournament specific, but it can be in general a little bit more. This is actually a question that I had some girls ask last year that they wanted me to always ask on the podcast, which is kind of what's the team's favorite food? What's their favorite snacks, favorite restaurants? What's some of that go-to, um, you know, and even how do you do maybe even tie a little bit into how you do those things and manage those things at an actual tournament as far as like the nutrition and, and what that looks like. 
Right. Uh, you know, I'm lucky I don't have any allergies or anything on my team yeah. right now. I know some some coaches kind of have to work around that. But but honestly, I just ask the girls what they like to get. I mean, some like fruit and nut mix, some like beef jerky, uh, others like, you know, some kind of a bar, power bar or granola bar, things like that. Um, uh, there again, I'm not super regimented with no, you can't have sugar. No, you can't like, well, I'll still buy fruit snacks and gummies. And, yeah. you know, so it's, I don't know. I just don't think that that stuff's the end of the world um, necessarily. As long as you're eating something and drinking enough and hydrating, I've always got the cooler with this. And so it's, you know, it's something that we go over. I'm probably harder on them for hydration and sunscreen than I am nutrition. Um you kind of got to pick your battles, especially with girls. Yeah, and exactly. Kids at that you've grown age, up your whole gotta, life, yeah. you know, yeah. eating certain things at the course, and it just kind of becomes habit. So I, yeah, I totally agree with you. You kind of pick your battles. So sun, sunscreen yeah. and hydration are my battles, and, and everything else I'm kind of I'm kind of lenient on, I guess. So, um, but yeah, no, I just I just kind of ask them, and and that's just it doesn't really it doesn't really um, bother me either way. So yeah, well. We'll do a little bit of that. I always kind of make a grocery run. I kind of joke with other coaches. It's like it's not really a, a golf tournament unless I make two trips to Walmart. So, oh yeah, <laughs> always got to have the snacks. Um, so I've, uh, yeah, I, I've definitely learned how to get the right things and, and and then where the local WalMarts are in relationship to the golf courses. So yeah, that's, hey, that's important. I mean, yeah, you, as a player traveling, I mean, it was funny when I'd start traveling some of my junior players and you know, I'd be the one going with them to a tournament or something. And they never thought about that kind of thing. And I guess when you're a junior, you know, you don't think about it because your parents are doing it. And then in college, you know, you kind of did it as a team or your coach went and did it. And then, yeah, you get out on tour and you're having to think like, okay, I need snacks for the tournament. I need my food. And like, you learn how to go do those things. And so, you know, as the coach, it's just who's, especially I said, a coach who's played, you just know like how important those things are when it, you know, when you get to a a new area need to know what's nearby and, and where to get snacks. No doubt. And, you know, COVID's changed our, our dinner and things a little bit. We do yeah. a lot more takeout. We we only did takeout last year. Um, this year, we're able to do a little bit more. We might go into a Chipotle or, you know, something else. But the girls really like Outback and Texas Roadhouse and um, the kind of middle of the road places that have a lot of different options. Um, yeah. so we'll kind of hit up those places, plus things that maybe aren't going to take a, a real long time. Because obviously, if you just got done with the 36 whole day, you you're ready to go crash in the hotel room. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it varies and it depends on what town you're in and things too. Mm-hmm. So we, we generally will do some, something kind of quick just to get back. And, and occasionally I'll even drop them off at the hotel and I'll go get takeout where they can take showers and kind of wind down a little bit just to save some time where they can just eat and then go on to, to bed or if they have homework, do some homework or something like that too. So um, that was a little bit tough because with the online classes, you might have a Zoom call at you know that that evening or something. So they're they're in the van on the Wi-Fi trying to do their Zoom calls, yeah. and it's uh, it has definitely changed a lot in the last yeah. few years versus when I started. But um, but you just make the best of it, you know. And, and it's amazing. Like I think the the adults and the older <laughs> the older generations more worried about it than the younger ones. They seem to kind of go with the flow and doesn't really seem to, to bother them too much. So I'm trying to be a little bit more like that too, instead of compare it to how it used to be. But yeah, um, yeah. But yeah no, we're, we're making it the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. It has been, like I said, when I first 
was still doing some of the podcast episodes. It was at the beginning of COVID and you know, we talked about it. Then I was like, okay, we're talking about it enough. Let's hopefully, and I mean, definitely didn't expect a year and a half, oh, not quite two years, year and a half later to have to still be talking about it. But during those episodes, I was like, all right, let's touch on it a little bit and what's going on. And then let's like, let's move on because, you know, we don't want to just keep harping on it. And, and this was kind of early into everything, right? When the seasons had all kind of fallen apart and everything, didn't know what was going to happen. So we kind of talked, like I said, we talked about it, but tried to kind of, um skip over it a little bit and not you know like I said not just harp on it because again you can't you know it is what it is but you can only do so much to just have to just keep talking about adjustments and what's changed and you know all of that um without just kind of beating beating dead horse I guess um so I'm going to look at some of my questions I want to ask a couple more before we wrap it up and let's see um, so we'll kind of tie maybe these two together so you can kind of answer both together. And then I always have to ask my, my one question at the end that I know everybody always enjoys hearing those stories, but maybe tie together both. Like what's the biggest challenge you've had as a coach, whether it's as a, as a whole, you know, or a specific incident. And then also kind of what's the most rewarding, the same thing, you know, is there a certain moment or just a, an overall kind of thing? So kind of those two spectrums of most challenging, but also the most rewarding thing as a coach and either moments in time or just as a whole, share those. Yeah, so I guess we'll go with the negative first. So the, the most challenging thing right now for me is back orders and supply chain yeah. issues. Um, we are, we're still trying to get outfits in and, and clothes in. Um, so the ordering of equipment has been a nightmare this year. Um, so that's been, that's been difficult. And sometimes it's faster to get it unlogoed. So I've just ordered it plain and I've had to go to the football stadium and heat myself and try to try to get something ready. We played, you know, last weekend already. So we, we only had two weekends before we went to our first tournament, which didn't give us a whole lot of time, but but yeah, that's that's been a, a real challenge this year. I would say another challenge is is probably scheduling. I mean, when I was first hired, obviously I played on the men's side, so I didn't really know a lot of the women's coaches, um, which made it kind of difficult to get into tournaments um, because our there again our team ranking wasn't wasn't very high, and I didn't play anywhere, and I didn't really know a lot of the coaches, so that that made it tough. Um, yeah, that that made it tough, but. You know, that's just one of those things. Playing better takes care of itself, right? And it's it's the same thing on the mini tours and qualifiers. It's like, well, just play better. If you've got a complaint, just play better. That's why I didn't get status. I didn't play good enough. But it's just, it's just, um, takes it just takes time. And I, I think it's starting to come up. And it's a little bit different without the 500 rule that the, the men have, where you have to have a winning percentage over half the teams you play. You know, you look on the men's side, they'll let half and half teams in. Um, yeah. So you kind of get a chance to get an opportunity to get in a few more events that, that the women's side doesn't necessarily have, but that's a battle that will continue to fight, but that's, that's okay. Um, but yeah, so I think the, the scheduling and, and the equipment's been the, the biggest challenge. Um, gosh, most rewarding. I think it's just, I, I'm a golf nerd too. I just, I, I love golf. I love being around it. I can't imagine doing, doing anything else and just being able to give, you know, junior golfers, the opportunity to have that college experience and to, to get those stories and those life lessons and just kind of watch them grow up from when they commit to when they graduate. Um, and plus, I think it's, it's another thing too, that it's, it's the family side of it as well. I, I really got an eye opening experience with that this year. I had a player transfer in from Mississippi state and um, she only had one year of eligibility left. 
So she was in grad school and competed and her parents were super excited. They get one more year and get to see her play. And it, she was from Kentucky, so she was closer to home. Um, and then her mom suddenly passed away this, this last year. So like thinking back to it, it's like all those memories that they just got within this last year that they wouldn't have had if they didn't have an opportunity with college golf. So it was the, you know, when we're on the road, I have a parent night where all of the kids get to go out to eat with their parents one night. Cause you know, we can't have a party of 20 trying to go out to eat. It would take three hours, you know, and, and some want sushi, some want steak, you know, it's just, they can go with their families and kind of figure it, figure out what's best for them. So there were 10 tournaments on the road that she got to go out to eat with her mom and they came to every tournament and she was our snack mom that always had the, the food and the, um, you know, bring in the Chick-fil-A in the morning. And, and so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was things like that, that it's like, man, we, you know, we're playing golf, but it's really bigger than that. It's really more about the memories and the friendships and the family that you, that you get out of it. So that's definitely, I would say the most rewarding part of, of being a coach. Yeah, well, that's a, a heartbreaking story. It, it is, it's true. It's like you said, being able to, to be a part of creating those memories and those experiences. And, and you know, that's maybe a positive to what COVID, I mean, maybe, I don't know what happened in terms of, of her mother, but, you know, that allowed her to have another year and to be a little closer to home. So, you know, having some sort of positive side to that, um, even if it did turn out the way it did. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, – Definitely can be rewarding in that sense for sure. So I, um, I, I like to hear that. Well, then we're going to kind of just flip the script a little, not totally, but we'll kind of wrap up with last question. Um, like I said, I know y'all are getting ready to travel and, and head down here and, and super grateful that you, you hopped on and joined me, but every coach does have to kind of share what one of their like funniest, most embarrassing or whatever it might be. I mean, it's been from recruiting trips to, all kinds of stuff. Um, what this always is, is, you know, definitely kind of shed a little light and fun side of college golf and everything. So what would be the funniest moment um, that you've had as a coach? Yeah. So it, this, this one is a good question and it's, it's hard to kind of narrow it down. And, yeah. and the story yeah. I'm going to tell you is really more about coaching relationships and, and my friends uh, on the other side with, with coaches, because I, I tend to play some pranks Um so it was a lot easier when I was first hired because no one had my cell phone number. And this was kind of before group me also, because, you know, obviously you enter the name in with, with a group chat, but so we were just doing a, a group text just to kind of send out rules and things like that. So um, one of the first coaches that I met and, and became good friends with was Erica Brennan, who, who's oh, yeah. been on, on your, yeah. your show before. And she's just, she's a lot of fun. So it's also easy that she's got a good sense of humor that she can kind of take it too. So one of them that I did was I sent out in a group text, hey, I'm trying to collect logo balls from every school. If you don't mind, I'd like to get a, a golf ball from, from every school. And I'd sign it, Erica, Erica Brennan at the bottom. So then like she would get four or five coaches giving her a golf ball the next day. And um, so she just like, you know, has to kind of take it and accept it. So then it kind of turned into just a weekly thing. Every time we were in the same tournament as her, I would try to pick out the dumbest question I could ask in the group chat and just see what, see what happens. So I would, oh gosh, one of them was, uh, what color are the pin sheets going to be this week? Uh, one of them was like, are we supposed to leave the rakes in the bunker or not? Like it, and it just kind of, yeah. began, and then it would, it would be funny that she would come back and tell me like how many people would actually tell her like, no, the, the pin sheets are going to just be white yeah. or just yeah. colored to them. And, um, 
So she got me back pretty good at conference that year because we have a, a rule within our conference that you can't have a logo more than two inches uh, in diameter. So she got one of the rules officials to come out and measure my logos on my, <laughs> my shirt. But the rules official couldn't keep a straight so face. The rules official was kind of laughing. So it kind of became a, a back and forth thing um, within my That's conference, matches, I guess, too. So um, I, I played one on, on Coach Adams at MTSU also. Uh, there was a, a bunch of tweets going around that the, the players were calling her the boss. And I got her this, this blue boss hat that she wore during conference. And now she actually, to this day, has boss on her yardage book in the back, too. So uh, That's funny. So, yes, I think it's, you know, the, the just get along more than than maybe people think. It's not as as cutthroat competitive. I mean, I I, I was very like a, like we talked about earlier, I was very fortunate when I was hired. A lot of coaches kind of brought me in and talked to me. Um, gosh, Beth Harrelson over at Memphis helped me out a lot. So, I mean, it's just everyone that I talked to and asked questions of was really helpful with it. So we all have good relationships and like to cut up with each other and have fun out of Vegas at the convention. So it's. It's those stories that are kind of fun. Obviously, we've got, you know, you've got your your stories within the team and, and things like that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so those those are probably my my couple that were that were pretty funny. Yeah, well, it's good because, again, it, it kind of shed some light just on those relationships among the coaches. And we preach about how much these coaches talk and know each other. And, you know, when you're going through this process, like you just I don't think a lot of players realize that. I don't think they know. I mean, you know, they come to me and, and, you know, obviously, yeah, part of my business is knowing the coaches and having these relationships. And, you know, sometimes I'll be talking about it, you know, and not realizing just how many of these players that I have known since we were 10 or 12 years old going through, you know, junior golf together. And then, you know, and just all these ties to then you've got another kind of chunk that were kind of like us that were a few years older or a few years younger that all kind of know each other and, and how much, you know, just those relationships and, and all that goes together. So I think that just really kind of shows again, shows, you know, how much you all respect each other and, and can do all that. But yet at the end of the day, I mean, you're all competitive, you all want to win. And, you know, it's, um, it does, you know, come down to, um, you know, that, that competitive nature within the tournaments and that kind of stuff, but to be able to, to separate that and to have those relationships, both from a humorous, funny standpoint, but then also from a, um, um, you know, mentor mentee perspective of the coaches, you know, wanting to help those new coaches coming in. And, and again, that's what I've loved about doing this is just the willingness to, to share information and to talk about things that you do and not feel like, well, I can't talk about how I do this. You know, I don't want to talk about how I do that. And just the willingness to do that and, and just know that it's all for the betterment of the game and for these girls going through all this. And um, it, it just, you know, just such a, a, a bigger picture aspect of it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, you're, you're definitely right on. And I think that this has been huge for women's golf, having someone like you to, to organize it and help this because it's, it's tough, especially if the parents didn't play golf, like they mm -hmm. really would have no idea where to start. And, and um, that can be a huge turnoff to, to someone that would have maybe had a, had an opportunity and a possibility, but if they just would have done things the right way it's the same thing with the yeah. job offer I mean these are the things that they're learning now that are going to help them the rest of the rest of their life so that's the that's the point of, of college and this time in life is to learn these lessons now so you don't make those mistakes later that could be even worse so oh yeah yeah you're, you're it, it, a great it, it, job and I'll let you root for Furman uh, right. okay this weekend hopefully we'll finish second right behind him right yeah hey I'd, I'd be I'd be okay with that we'll let you we'll let you do that but I I appreciate you coming on um and and yeah I hope to see you out there this weekend at some point um 
looking forward to seeing seeing some teams compete and, and actually be able to see some some golf in action since we didn't get to see much of it last year and everything. Um, so just looking forward to that. And, and again, I, I really appreciate the time you took. I know everybody out there listening just loves hearing from the coaches and, and just the insight and everything. So it means a lot for you to take the time and, and hop on and, and join me and, and shed some light on stuff. So any parting words that you would like to share before we sign off? I don't think so. I just appreciate all you do for, for golf and for the game. Obviously, I set it up and you came over and spoke to the Kentucky PGA section for us. So we're, we're trying to educate some people because even at swing coaches too, like they might be really knowledgeable about the golf swing, but maybe not so knowledgeable about the recruiting process. And so I don't know that I would just trust someone because they know the golf swing to really help you find that place in college. You need someone that has those relationships with the coaches like, like you do. So I, I just can't recommend it enough to, to find the right fit because I mean, coaches, we're the same. Like, like I said, I don't, I don't mind if someone says no, if it's not a right fit, I don't want someone that's going to be unhappy here either. Right. So I think finding that right fit is, is very important. And I think going around and speaking and doing all the things that you're doing are huge and just keep up the good work. And if I can ever help in any way, just let me know. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks again. And thanks, everybody, for joining on this brand new season of Tap Into College Golf. And stay tuned for many more episodes.
Thank you for joining me on this episode of Tap Into College Golf. For more information, you can visit www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at bjacksongolf. See you next time.